Thank you for listening to this sermon by Grace Point Church. If you'd like to learn more, visit our website at gracepointaz.com, or better yet, come be our guest on a Sunday morning. Good morning, Grace Point Church, and thank you for being here. Please remain standing for the reading of God's Word. If you would like to follow along with the reading and need a Bible, they can be found in the seatbacks in front of you. If you don't have a Bible at home, please take this one with you. Or if you know someone who needs a Bible, please take one and give it to them. We would love for you to have God's word in your hands throughout this coming week. Today's scripture will be taken from, from the book of Jonah, chapter 4, verse 1 through 4. And you can find that on page 775. Follow along with me as I read. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do do you do well to be angry? Father, I thank you for this day. I ask your blessing over this body of believers. Lord God, bless Tyler while he uh, well, he reads your word today in an expository way. Lord, we love you and praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Y'all can have a seat. Um, so the last few weeks we've been going through Jonah. And um, just to give you guys, get, get you guys spun up, if you guys haven't been here for the last few weeks, um, back in Jonah 1, Jonah had just received a message from God. And God's like, hey, you need to go to Nineveh and go tell these people um, about me. Go tell them the good news. And so um, Jonah gets this, this message from God to go do this, and he's, he's shaking. He's freaking out. Uh, if you guys know anything about Nineveh, I think the last few weeks they've explained it pretty well, but Nineveh is like the evilest people in the culture in the time of that era. And they've like perfected torture, and, um, and they're people who kill other Christians and kill other people just because they don't agree with them. So they're pretty evil people, and he's scared. And he's also, he doesn't like them. They, they probably killed people he knew or at least killed other Christians. So he's like, I don't want to go. So J- Jonah ends up deciding, he's like, hey, I'm going to jump on this ship and head straight over to Tarshish. I'm running away. Like Tarshish is like the complete opposite direction. There's no chance that that boat is going to Nineveh. And so he jumps on with a bunch of pagan sailors. And, um, and he ends up falling asleep on the bottom of the ship while this huge storm comes up. God sends this huge storm and it's shaking the boat and the sailors are freaking out. And so they're like, man, I want to stay, I want to stay afloat. So what they start doing is they start throwing all this luggage off. They're like throwing stuff off and then they end up going to the bottom of the ship and telling Jonah like, hey, Jonah, like, what are you doing? They don't even know his name at that point. They're like, hey, who are you? What are you doing? Why aren't you helping us out? And Jonah ends up saying this. He says, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. And then he goes on to tell him that he just finished disobeying God. Like God told him to go to Nineveh and he's like, I didn't want to go. And so when they heard about this God, the, land, the God of the land, the God of the sea, they freaked out even more. So they're, they're like, what are we going to do? And Jonah ends up saying, just throw me overboard. 
throw me overboard. And these guys, they didn't want to do that. So they started rowing, it says. So they rowed a little bit longer and Jonah's like, just throw me overboard. The storm will stop. And finally they're like, all right, fine, we'll do it. And, uh, and before they did that, they were praying to God. They quit praying to their gods and started praying to Jonah's God. And so after they threw him over, everything calmed down. The waters got calm. And then they thank God by giving God a sacrifice. And so what, what we're seeing right here is how these, these pagan sailors just got saved through Jonah's rebellion, through his disobedience. And I think that's super powerful to see how even as Christians, we can mess up and God can still use our mess ups for other people to get saved. And so that's what's happening here. These guys just get saved. And Jonah thinks like, man, at least I don't have to go to Nineveh. I'm just going to jump off and drown and I, I'll be dead. Like, at least I don't have to go, right? And that's not what God had planned. So God sends this, I keep saying a well, you guys will hear me call it a well, but it doesn't say it's a well in the Bible. That's just how I grew up. It's, it's a fish. In fact, Jason thinks it's a Megalodon, he said. So uh, anyways, so this fish comes and swallows up Jonah and it's God's grace saving him. So Jonah goes from wanting to die. Then he goes to asking God to rescue him inside the belly of this fish. And he's in there for three days and God does. He rescues him and three days later, he gets spit up. And as a kid, that was the biggest part of the story that I remembered is like this huge miracle that this guy didn't die. But there's way more to the story than that. And so uh, Jonah ends up getting out of that fish and God's like, all right, now it's time for you to go to Nineveh and go tell these people about me. Go tell them. So Jonah goes and he probably tells like the lamest sermon that's ever been preached. In fact, in the Hebrew language, it's only five words. And this is what it says. It says, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And that's it. Didn't even mention God in the sermon. And he's basically just trying to use a scare tactic maybe, or, I mean, just think he's going over to Nineveh, even though he's obeying God now, he's going over in a bad attitude. He's like, I really don't want to go. I really don't want to talk to these people. These people are evil. They kill people. And also I just don't like them because they're evil. They're bad. So um, he goes over there and he does it. And uh, he says that and 120,000 people get saved. And it could have been more to the sermon, but the Bible only tells us that it's that sentence. So if it's more, I don't know that it's much more than that. Um, And so God uses this, this lame sermon, probably the lamest sermon preached to save a whole city. And that's so powerful. In fact, it says from the lowest to the highest end up repenting. They put on sackcloth, they were laying in ashes, and even the king of the Ninevites, just think, the king of the super powerful um, people back in the day, the super powerful city, they're evil, they're killing people, people are scared and fearful of them, and the king decides he's going to take everything that makes him a king, take it off, throw it away, and then he's going to lay down in the ashes, um, in, in sackcloth, and he's thanking God. Well, first they're asking God to spare them. And then it goes into the, they're thankful. They're thankful because God does spare them. He gives grace where grace doesn't belong. And so that's where we pick up today in Jonah 4. In Jonah 4, 1, it says this. Jonah, this is talking about, um, well, I'll just read it. It says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was angry. And he's talking about what displeased him, those people getting saved, which blew my mind because I remember, um, I remember when I first became a youth leader years ago, probably like five, six years ago, um, there was this, this student in my youth and uh, he did not believe in Jesus and he did not want to believe in Jesus. Didn't even want to come to church, but he did because, well, that's, that's what happened in his house. They said, Hey, we're going to church. He went to church. And so, um, what ends up happening is he starts coming to youth and he's like bringing up evolution. And he's like, well, I believe this because this is evolution. This is what we're learning in school, or this is what I studied on. This is what I, I learned and did research on. 
And honestly, when he'd ask questions about the Bible, like I really didn't know the answers. Sometimes I'd be like, golly, I don't know what to do about that. So I'd write these questions down that he'd ask, but like, I'll get back to you. And that's what I do. So it pushed me deeper in a relationship with God, deeper into research, reading the Bible and trying to find these answers. And sure enough, I would come back to him and I was like, hey man, this is what I found. What other questions do you have? And he'd come with more questions and I'm like, golly. So it was a growing experience for me. Um, but what was amazing, what was so cool is, man, there was times where I was thinking like, I, this guy is arguing with me at youth and I don't know if he's ever going to get saved. Like, I hope he gets saved, but man, can God save him? Like he is, he seems like he's so against it. And sure enough, a couple years later, he comes up after a youth event to me and a volunteer. And he goes, guys, I don't know what happened. I just know that I believe in Jesus Christ. Like I believe what you guys just said. And man, it gives me chills. Like it is powerful. God moves like that. And I remember, man, I got fired up. I was pumped up. I was like, whoa, like look what God's doing, right? But Jonah, 120,000 people get saved and Jonah is so angry. He's mad. I, I just, when I started studying for this, when I started hearing Jason and then Tony last week preach about it, it, it was hitting me like, I just don't understand it. Man, I had a youth last year. Um, he pulled me and another volunteer aside after service. And he said, hey, I gotta tell you guys something. Something crazy just happened to me. And he said how he was so angry with his sister. Um, they got in a huge fight that morning, so angry. And he said he, he wanted to punch a, hall, uh, uh, punch a hole in the back of our wall at church. That's what I found out a few weeks ago. He told me what he was feeling last year. And uh, I was like, well, dang, I'm glad you didn't do that because then we'd have to fix it. But anyways, uh, so he said he wanted to punch a hole in the back of the wall at church. He was so mad. He was so infuriated. And um, he also had stopped coming to youth. He was telling me he was struggling with believing if God is real or not, or if it's just what his parents believe. He's like, I, I don't think I believe it. And so what happened was, is during that service at the end of it, he was so angry. And he finally, he said his dad had told him one time to just, if you're sitting down, just put your hands on your knees, kind of up like this and just start praying. And so that's what he did. He put his hands on and he started praying. He said, God, if you're real, please just take this anger away. And bam, like just like that, he said the anger left him and it scared him. When he came up and told me in that volunteer, that back corner back there, he had tears in his eyes. He's like, I was scared. He's like, I've never ever had something like that just leave me. Like I couldn't get rid of it myself and I couldn't get it back if I wanted to be angry. He's like, God just wiped it out right there. And he said, and now I believe in Jesus Christ. I know that he's true, he's powerful and man, it is scary. And that right there, that was the fear of the Lord that came and it made him realize like, boom, God is real. And that, that stuff fires me up. When I see somebody get saved, when I see somebody come back to God who was wandering off, man, it gets me so excited. But Jonah, he wasn't excited. And so then I started thinking back when I was in school, man, I remembered uh, getting bullied. And I got bullied a lot in middle school, a lot in elementary school. I was a typical, I know I'm bald now, so now I get bullied for that, right? But uh, I, I was a typical redhead. I was the ginger. I was the one with the glasses. I had the braces, right? Like I was the typical guy in class. If you walked into a class and be like, oh, I bet that kid gets picked on. That was me. That was me, right? Um, and so I remember thinking and I remember saying and praying to God, like, man, these guys that would pick on me when I would get picked on and they would, they'd call me these bad names. I remember thinking, man, I hope I don't have to see those people in heaven. And it hit me like, dang, Jonah's feeling how I felt when I was a kid. And man, thank goodness and thank God that I've matured past that, that now I want my enemies to get saved. Man, I get fired up for anybody getting saved. And I, I hope that those people who bullied me, um, and I know a couple of them have gotten saved. I mean, it was a Christian school, so if they weren't saved then, I mean, they at least got to hear the gospel time and time again. So um, anyhow, Jonah is, this is where his heart is at though. Like he doesn't want these evil people to get saved. So then we jump down to verse two. Verse two, it says this, and he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? 
That is why I made haste to flee Tarshish, for I knew that you are, you are a gracious God and merciful. I mean, listen to this. He knew that he was a gracious, merciful God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. So God sees remorse and repentance from this city. And then God relents. Like Tony said last week, relent or relented, that, that term relent, it is used 25 times in the Bible and every single time it's used, it's God withholding wrath. It's God withholding the wrath that he has against man for their sin. And so that's what's happening here. God relents and holds back his wrath from these people. These people turn and they repent. And Jonah just admitted basically what Jonah said. He said, I knew your grace would eclipse their depraved, barbaric, evil ways. Like I knew that it would just take it all away. And then I knew that if you would, if, if I went, that, that you would save them. Jonah knew that if he went, God was going to save him because he knew God's grace and he didn't want it. And therefore now, verse three, it says, oh Lord, please take my life from me for it is better for me to die than to live. So right here, Jonah is asking once again to die. So Jonah asked to die when he, like he was saying, hey, throw me over the ship. I want to die. Like, I don't want to go to Nineveh. At least I'll die. Then he gets rescued by the well from God or by the fish. And then he gets rescued. He's in there for three days and he's asking God, please rescue me. So he has this whole heart of, hey, let, let me get rescued. He gets rescued. And then he's here wanting to die again. I mean, how many of you guys know, like Jonah seems pretty dang dramatic, right? Like, I know I get dramatic. Uh, you can even go ask my wife. Uh, you probably don't want to, oh, just don't do that. But I promise she'll probably tell you like, hey, he's dramatic sometimes. I like to go over the top sometimes. And I'm sure that y'all can too. I mean, come on, cut me some slack. But, uh, and the Lord said, he said in verse four, he said, do you do well to be angry with his drama? <laughs> so God asked, do you have the right to be angry? Man, does it make you feel better that you're angry? And God asked this, he's trying to reveal Jonah's heart when he asked this question. See, God, Jesus, they asked these questions to multiple people throughout the Bible, trying to reveal their heart. Hey, like, hey, maybe if you say the words out loud, maybe you'll see like where your heart is crooked. It's not in a line with God's. And so God will do this tons of times. And this is what he's doing with Jonah right now is he's giving him a heart check. But God, when we don't understand things, what I want you guys to know is God is for us and we should trust God. We have a really good God. And when he's telling us to go do something, like go to Nineveh, like go tell our friends at, at, uh, at work or go tell our friends at school, like you guys should go and do that. When you feel like the urge to invite someone to church, we should do it. God is for us. And he has our, our, our best at interest or our interest is, is best with him. So verse five, it says this. It says, Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself. So we're going to learn here in the next verse that he's trying to get some shade, like God gives him a plant, but he's trying to make his own shade here. He made a booth for himself and he sat under it in the shade. So he had a little bit of shade, but uh, till he should see what happened or what becomes of the city. So Jonah is sitting outside the city and he's still like, maybe God won't spare these people. Maybe I still get to see God pour his wrath out on this city because man, they're evil people. But what he's not seeing is they're not evil anymore. They've turned, they've repented and his heart is still bent towards sin. It's still bent the wrong way. Verse six, it says this, and now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of this plant. And I just imagine Jonah's like, oh my, he's so pumped up for this plant. It said exceedingly glad. He's so excited that this plant just came up, but he's not excited about this whole city that just got saved. It just blows my mind. It blows my mind. But just think, it says that, uh, 
that he needed shade to save him from discomfort. If you guys think of Iraq, when I think of Iraq, I think of like the um, war movies or the war shows. Like it's just like desert. There's no real vegetation. Like when these guys get, you know, infiltrated from the plane, the special forces, and they drop down in the desert, it's like, yeah, there's like nothing around them but like little, you know, mounds of sand, right? That's what I imagine it is. I imagine he's outside the city because it says he is, but I imagine that there's like no shade, there's no building except for this little hut that he made. And he has no, like he's, he's going to be super uncomfortable. Yet he's excited when this plant comes up. So verse seven, what does God do with the plant? Which kind of stumped me at first. I was like, why would God make him a plant and then destroy it? But God shows him grace to give him comfort for that day. And then it says, verse seven, but when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant. And so it withered. And so right there, the shade's gone. The shade's wiped out. God gave him shade. Like, here's, here's my grace. I'm going to give you comfort for today. And then he wipes it out. Verse eight, it says, when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die. Once again, said he wanted to die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. And so Jonah being dramatic again, but just think about it. These east winds, like these winds that we get in Arizona back in May, my son had his last soccer game. And I know it's like, it's like going to be 119. Someone told me this morning, this week, I'm like, golly, but it was like probably 95, 98. And I had this wind hitting me and I was getting sunburnt while I was watching my son's last soccer game. And I was like, dude, it's like, I'm in a dryer. Like this really stinks. And so um, just think about like how hot it gets here. It's probably really similar, except we get the escape of buildings. We get the escape of really nice shade that has misters underneath it now. And we get the escape of AC. I mean, Jonah didn't have any of that. So Jonah is probably out there feeling drained, probably dehydrated, probably a little delirious. And once again, he tells God that he wants to die. It'd be better for him to die. We jump into verse nine and it says, but God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And then Jonah, like a little kid having a temper tantrum, back talking his parents, this is what he says. He says, yes, I do do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And so we see here that he is super angry. He's back talking God. And Jonah is more upset about his own comforts and his own circumstances being taken away than people dying without knowing God. Man, I hope our hearts aren't like that, church. Like, I hope that we don't have a heart to where we're so concerned and selfish about our own comforts, about our own circumstances, that, man, it's only about me, 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 and us, 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 and my family that we don't want to go out and tell people the good news or go out and invite people to church. That's where his heart is. So Jonah is more concerned with his own comforts um, than people dying without knowing Jesus. But also, we see here that Jonah is highly offended that God saved such an evil people. He's super offended. In this parable, there's a parable in Matthew, and I'm just going to read the end of it, what Peter says. Um, but there's a parable that talks about this kind of attitude Jonah has. This is Matthew 18, 21 through 22. It says this, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? And I forgive him as many as seven times. And I imagine Peter's like, what if I forgive like my brother like seven times? Like that's a lot, right? I imagine his attitude is like seven times is quite a bit. And Jesus comes back and Jesus said to him, I do not say seven times, but 77 times. And it's not in a literal 77 times. God's just saying, look, you should forgive somebody as many times as they sin against you. Like you should just have that forgiveness, your heart. Like we've been forgiven much as Christians. So we need to forgive much. That forgiveness we get from God, we should be able to give that to someone else. And it's not easy sometimes. It's not easy. What's ironic here is that Jonah is so offended, but there was never an offense given. There was never an offense given, but God saved such a bunch. Of, he saved such a bunch of sinners. The offense was likely given from the Ninevites. 
and we don't even know, like maybe Jonah knew somebody that got killed by the Ninevites, but Jonah at least knew that they were evil. So that's where the offense was. They killed and they tortured people and they were brutal and vicious. But Jonah needed to forgive them of those things. He needed to get over it. He needed to forgive them. And I don't say just forgive and forget. Like we shouldn't forget. We shouldn't go jump into the same situations with the same type of people after we've forgiven them to get hurt again. Like we need to remember, we need to be wise and smart about these situations with our friends or with people, but we need to be able to forgive and not hold the grudges, not have that sour heart towards somebody. See, a lot of times we in this society in America, we get offended way, way too much. And usually when it happens, this is how it goes. It goes, well, I'm good and they're bad. Well, I'm right and they're wrong. Well, Republican, Democrat, like that's how we go. Like we get so divided, so split up and I'm guilty of it too. But this is what we need to do. We need to work on loving others well. Being offended less and telling people about the good news of Jesus Christ more. I'm gonna say it again. We need to work on loving others well, being offended less and telling people about the good news of Jesus Christ more. That's, that's what we need to work on. And the Lord said, verse 10, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and it perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 people who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. See, God's telling Jonah, man, you're mad about the plant. You're mad the wrong way. You're, about a, it's, you're mad about a plant that went away and he's not celebrating everyone that just got saved. See, Jonah's eyes, his focus is on the wrong things. And so what takes our focus away? What is on your mind? What are your eyes fixed on? That is the wrong thing. Is it taking away your, your attention from God or from reading the Bible or from praying? What are those things? Is it, is it taken away from discipling or leading your family well? Is it your work where you're working 60, 80 hours a week? Well, I'm just trying to provide for my family because honestly, that's, that's kind of a poor excuse. You need to lead and love your family well. And yeah, you, you need to work, but you don't have to overwork. Or maybe it's lead into overwork because you want that promotion. Maybe it's the promotion. I've been there. I've been there struggling like, man, I really want the promotion, so I'm gonna spend more time at work. And there's nothing wrong with that. You just have to have the right balance. Or is it the TV shows? Are our eyes and our focus fixed on the TV shows because we're so obsessed with the newest thing um, that we can't, uh, we can't spend time with God. It takes us away. I know that's a hard one for me because I know that I put my kids to bed at 7.30. So at 7.35, me and my wife can go watch TV shows together. Like that's kind of our thing to do. That's why my kids go to bed at 7.30. But um, is it the gossip? You can't stop talking negatively about people. You just want to gossip and talk poorly about someone else because it makes you feel better. Is it the hate or the strong dislike for somebody? Or is it the pornography that you just can't get away from? Like what is it that takes your eyes off of God and his master plan? See, our lives get so busy, and I don't know about you guys, but when I get busy, I do not like interruptions. I do not like interruptions. And God interrupted Jonah's life, and he told him to go to the evilest people that Jonah knew about and go tell them the good news. And so I remember one time when God interrupted my life, and it was right as I joined the Air Force, it was six months in, and I was in Mississippi in training. And, uh, and I had been praying for months, like, God, please give me um, Mountain Home Air Force Base, which was in Idaho. I wanted to go to Idaho so badly. Um, that's where my family was. That's where my wife's family was. And so we really wanted to go back. And then we were in class one day and the bases came out, like our assignments. And I got this place, this really kind of crappy place, at least I thought, called Luke Air Force Base, Glendale, Arizona. And I was like, golly, that sounds hot and it sounds miserable. 
So what did I do? I started praying and I started, God, please let your will or let my will be your will to let me go to Idaho when I switch bases with somebody. Because we had people in my class, three of them that got Idaho. And so I went up to each one of them and I prayed and prayed and prayed that my will would be God's will. And how many of y'all know we can't change God's will? But that was my immaturity, trying to change God's will or trying to like trick God into my words to let him let me go to Idaho or whatever. So I asked these people and they all said no. And I was like, dang. But then the Holy Spirit gave me this great idea or so I thought. He's like, you should go offer them $1,000, which by the way, you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to do. I'm, everyone does it because everybody wants to get to Hawaii and Guam, right? But you're not supposed to do it. So I did. I went up to the first two guys and I said, hey, I got $1,000. And I just want you guys to know, like I just got married six months before, right before I went to basic training, I got married. And guess what? I had like a hundred, maybe 150 bucks in my name. Like I was going to go around asking my wife's parents, my parents, like, if you want me to come to Idaho, give me a thousand dollars. Like I got to pay these guys off. So anyways, uh, I asked them and sure enough, the first two guys said no. And then sure enough, the Holy Spirit came to me again. So I thought $3,000, that's the right number. So I was like, this last guy I'm going to go, and I must ask for $3,000. So that's what I did. I went up to him and he said, hey, uh, let me think about it. Let me talk to my wife. Let me think about it. And I was like, this is it. This is God. He's like, like my plan, which is now God's plan is coming, to, coming true. And, uh, and how I was trying to change God's will. And guess what? It didn't happen. He, he talked to his wife about it. Three days later, I found out, oh, hey, I'm going to Idaho, which meant I was going to Arizona. And man, I was bummed. And I was trying to convince these guys like, man, Arizona's it's really hot, man. It's pretty cool. No, so... That's how I ended up coming to Arizona. I tell you guys that story because I was trying to run away from God, just like Jonah's run away from God. See, I, if I wouldn't have came to Arizona, man, my faith would not be where it's at today. I wouldn't be preaching in front of you guys if I didn't come to Arizona. Who knows if I'd even be in church? I hope I would. I think I would. I was saved back then. But man, my heart was not in the right place and I was trying to run away from God. See, God was interrupting my plan. He was interrupting my story. And what I want to tell y'all is it's not about my story. It's not about y'all's story. It's about God's story. And man, if there's not a story I want to be a part of, if there is a story I want to be a part of, it's God's story. And I hope that you guys want to be a part of God's story. See, that's the story that we should want to be a part of. And see, without that interruption in God's life, or I'm sorry, without that interruption in Jonah's life, Jonah was mentioned in the Bible one other time in 2 Kings. And this is what it said. It basically said, I don't have the verse here, but it says that he was the son of a Mittai, his dad, and a prophet. That was it. It was just a small little glimpse of who Jonah was, and that was it. But God used Jonah. He used an interruption in Jonah's life so that Jonah could be a part of the strongest and biggest revival in history. He used Jonah in his rebellion and his heart of not wanting to even listen to what God's plan was for the strongest revival in history. So I don't know what interruptions you guys have in your life. Maybe you're struggling with sin. Maybe, uh, maybe it keeps pulling you away from God, your sin that you're stuck in. Maybe it's the gossiping you can't stop or you can't stop looking at the other men or other women out there when you're driving down the road. Maybe you can't stop lying to your spouse or you can't let go of the greed or how it's your money, it's my money. Maybe it's the, the selfishness that goes along with the greed there. You can't stop blowing up at your house. You can't stop losing your temper, losing control. You're just yelling all over the family. Maybe it's the slothfulness. Maybe it's, man, I just don't want to work. I just want to be lazy at home. I just want to watch TV all the time. I don't want to take care of my family. That's sin too. Slothfulness is sin. And so here's the thing. It's not sin that makes you bad. Sin makes you dead. It makes you dead. And that death, it comes from the sin that we end up casting and putting on Jesus. 
See, he was humiliated, spit on, mocked at, had a thorn of crowns put on him. His body was literally ripped and broken apart for us so that we could be saved if we would believe. And after it was broken and ripped up, his blood was poured out on the cross. He got crucified on the cross, died, and three days later rose again, conquering all the sin and death that we deserve. Everything that we put on him, we cast on him. He took so that we could get everything good, that one day we can go to heaven if we would trust and believe. And I find it so amazing that after all the bad we do, that the scandal of the gospel, it still stands. How we can't make up for what we've done and how we don't even have to change, really. We don't have to change. We just have to come and believe because it's Jesus in our place for our sin. See, Jesus says that we come as we are. We come broken already. We just have to come and believe him And that is what will change everything. We don't need to change first. We just come to him and that will change everything. See, we really have a good God, guys. We really have a really good God who cares for us so deeply and loves us. And he gives us that same grace that he gave to Nineveh. If all we do, if we just believe. And so the next time that those interruptions come from God, you feel God telling you to go talk to the neighbor. You feel God telling you to go talk to that guy or girl at work to invite them to church. When you hear him telling you to go tell someone the good news, that's what we need to do. We need to go out and do it and trust. Even though it might be hard, you might feel like you're Jonah and God's telling you to go into this scary place like Nineveh, where man, these guys are evil. They're gonna make fun of me. Man, they're gonna not let me into their group at lunch. They're not gonna, what, whatever. Like you guys need to go and tell these people about God, invite them to church and let's keep our eyes focused on God and his mission and his story and not on ours. So let's pray. Jesus, uh...